Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome back to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And today we are going to talk about legal marketing. And we're going to talk about having a complete plan uh, as well as the importance and how to follow up properly. I think this is one thing that all attorneys, most professionals really fail at. And I'm going to talk about how to do it, how to automate it. Uh, with Mr. Jordan Ostroff, an attorney and the owner and founder of Legalese Marketing. Uh, Jordan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And don't forget, this is brought to you by StoryCruise.com. If you're looking for video for your law firm or for your business, StoryCruise.com will help you find videographers, strategy, video strategies, as well as help you to find those video case stories. All right, Jordan. So, you know, I want to get into, we were talking a little bit before about uh, CRMs, automation, which everyone likes the idea of automation and they should do it, um, and having an overall strategy. But let's get a little bit out of your story first. Um, you have obviously have a, a legal background. You were a former prosecutor. Uh, when did you start your law firm? In 2015, I, uh, I had interviewed at the state attorney's office for a promotion. The next one would have been sex crimes. They told me I didn't get it. I got super happy. They told me I'd be the next one. I got super sad and realized I didn't actually want that promotion. So that let me know that my days were numbered. And uh, I left originally to do criminal defense with my wife. And now we do personal injury work. Nice. Nice. And... Um... You know, and you so you work with your wife? I do. She's actually a lawyer, an actual lawyer. So she does all the legal work. She's the one who goes to court. She's a much better attorney than I will ever be. And I am just happy to be along for the ride as the uh, business owner marketer. Nice. I work with my wife too, and she's right over there. Um. <laughs> Mine can't hear me, and I'll still say it. So um, that's awesome. And uh, why are we being the faces of our business when we have pretty wives that should really be the faces? Uh, <laughs> um, but so when did you really get into the marketing aspect of your law firm? So thankfully, I sort of unintentionally did it from day one. I have no idea how or why, but I always made time for networking and, and some of those things. And then I blew all that money on really bad marketing opportunities that didn't fit my brand or what I was going for. So I tell everybody that really my, the main chapter of my story started the day my wife told me that she was pregnant with our kid and I was super happy, but then also I was super sad from the standpoint of I was already working 80 hours a week, we were already way in debt, I already had no idea what was going on and now somebody hand, was gonna hand us a baby. So um, how to figure out all of those things. So I really kind of cut all of our traditional marketing, went back to basics, really recreated the foundation the right way and then now I try to nail that into as many attorneys' heads as possible to learn from my mistake or mistakes. There are many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the best way to learn. Um, and what you know? What was the? I, I like that you talked about foundations and fundamentals. I think fundamentals are absolutely crucial in marketing um, and anything, right? And when people step away, they look at the sexy. Sh brighty, uh, the shiny bright object and they go running after it. It's like, let's, oh, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Um, what do you consider the fun were the fundamentals that helped really turn your law firm around? So 
let me do this in the order that makes the most sense. So I think the you have to either find figure out your niche or figure out your ideal client first. You're gonna need both those things, but I'm open to either niche. And so if you're in a super rural area, then your niche might be your town. You know, you might be the community lawyer. For those of us in Orlando where there's, I don't know, 10,000 personal injury attorneys within a couple golf shots of you and I, that can't be your niche. You know, it can't be the area. It can't be the, it can't be the practice area. It can't be the location. You really have to figure out what it is about you, what makes you different, what makes your firm different. And then between those two things, so many other things will make more sense. You know, you'll figure out, am I gonna be the high price point or am I gonna be more affordable? And then from there, what sort of client experience do I give? What sort of message do I have in marketing? Where, what platforms do I wanna be on? Because where's my ideal client gonna go? You know, are they gonna be on LinkedIn? Are they gonna be on Facebook? Are they gonna be at the local chamber of commerce? Whatever it is. And when you don't know those two things in mind, it's really easy to sign up for everything because I did it. And it's really easy for everything to fail because I went through that because I didn't know what I really wanted. You know, I had nothing in place. Nice. And when was, how did you figure out your niche? You know, I think that I'm, I think that that's a consistent ongoing process once you have the stuff found. But for us, you know, as we changed into personal injury, we started looking at who do we want to work with? And, you know, we really enjoy working with people that don't, that need that voice that don't have somebody else to speak for them. So whether that's, you know, an underserved area of the community or whether that's a professional that just wants nothing to do with the legal side of their issue. And so we figured like, well, what does that mean to them? Well, that means that we're not blasting them on a billboard. We're not talking about how much money they had. We're not putting money first. We're putting their health and their happiness first. And so then that falls into, well, instead of spending all this money on some traditional advertising, we can have a client a customer service rep at the office who now is helping them coordinate all their treatment and making sure they're going to the right doctors and making sure that they're getting the right stuff and following up on you know what they really need for their specific case because that's what we're targeting. And so those decisions would be a lot harder if we were trying to sign up everybody we possibly could. If we were trying to get you know the max value out of as many cases as possible, we wouldn't be able to spend as much time on each individual client and each individual need. Love that. And and you know and you make a valid point there. Because while that sounds like customer service, customer service is marketing, right? Yes. And, and the more that they are consistent and cohesive and in a line, the easier everything's going to be. You know, I'm sure you see this all the time. You know, you get some really nice fancy ad that somebody did. You go to their website and it was made on, you know, GeoCities in the 1990s. You know, it just doesn't fit. And you get that like gut reaction of something's wrong. You know, I'm, they're trying to pull something over on me when you don't have that alignment from marketing to customer service to the actual business to the actual work. And what do you think prevents most law firms from figuring this piece out? Because this, I mean, this to me is marketing 101, but we see this over and over and over again in, in law firms. Well, we, we don't have marketing 101. You know, we don't even have law 101. Law school does not teach you to be an attorney. It teaches you to think critically but from a totally different perspective of you know business ownership or marketing or networking or whatever it is. And so there just is never that core foundation of the real you know, 101 foundational stuff that you talked about. And then consequently, you have nothing to build upon. Yeah, and, it's, and, and I think a lot of people mistake you know, being an attorney with being an entrepreneur. Just because you have clients, you're not an entrepreneur, right? It's 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 not the same thing. And what that's entrepreneurship, which they definitely don't teach at law school, and they bar- barely teach at business school, right? 
Right. Well, and so there's 1.3 million attorneys in the country, the last I checked, over about 400,000 law firms. But the reality of it is, is even every one of those law firms is not an actual business. It is a self-employed job. You know, there are no employees, there are no systems, there are no processes. There's just an attorney that, you know, truly hung their own shingle without any of this information behind it. And so consequently, you know, the number of true law firms run as businesses is going to be way less. Yes. And I mean, and, you know, not everyone is an entrepreneur. And, you know, we had Gina Wickman on, who's amazing about Entrepreneurial Leap. And, you know, he has this whole range of entrepreneurs. And, you know, check out that episode if you're trying to figure out if you're an entrepreneur. But if you are an entrepreneur and, and you know, if you are an attorney entrepreneur, what are the first things that you would tell someone if you go back in time to Jordan, once you figure out your niche, what's the next things that you need to do to start growing your business? Oh man, I think I, I think I literally wrote this post on LinkedIn in the last week or so. So I'll, I, I hope I don't give different answers, but no, no. Yeah, that's all right. We'll link to the post too. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, but I mean, it goes back. It's knowing your ideal client cold. It's knowing who you really want to help and knowing what you actually want to solve. You know, sure, you do criminal defense, sure, you do real estate, sure, you do family law, but nobody actually wants an attorney for that. They want to not go to jail for the rest of life. They want to not be stuck in a bad marriage. They want to make sure they got the house on time so they can, you know, have a home. Those are the things that you can really figure out more the more you create that ideal client avatar. Um, and then you start coming up with the systems and processes to recreate that situation. And then you start hiring the right people to execute those systems and processes, and then you start making sure you're listening to your clients and mentors and other attorneys so that you're learning from other people's mistakes and getting feedback from clients, and then you keep working on you know, making those tweaks because it's the practice of law, but it's really the practice of business. We're never going to perfect it. We can always be better than we were the day before. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it's, it's working, right? Marketing is a constant battle you know otherwise if it wasn't pepsi wouldn't be spending billions of dollars every year on on marketing right they it, they're selling soda it hasn't changed that much in the years uh but they do and but i think a lot of people just think marketing is like the set it and forget it thing how much time would you suggest to an attorney that really wants to be an entrepreneur they should be spending they should be spending even if they hire people on their sales and marketing as much as you can because there is no problem a business has that cannot be solved with more money or more revenue or better cases. You know, you can, if you hate doing payroll, you can hire an HR rep. If you hate doing billing, you can hire a bookkeeper. If you hate talking to clients, you can hire an answering service or you can hire an intake person, but you have to have those cases coming in. And even if you hire a marketing company, there's still this concept of you need to make sure that their messaging is right with your messaging, is right with your firm, and you're you know, highlighting the local parade, you're highlighting the local stuff in the community, you're highlighting the big wins in the right manner for the way that makes sense for your ideal clients, for your audience, for your constituents, for you know, whatever you wanna call them. That's really always going to be sort of a done with you, even if it's 1% you and 99% another company, you still have to have that consistency and, and teamwork. That's awesome. And speaking of consistency, I mean, I think we were talking about it. I think one of the biggest problems I see is a lack of follow-up, especially in cold leads, right? It's a, it's, it's a lack of follow-up. Um, how important is follow-up in your business and how, how do you do it? It is essential. So uh, Clio releases their legal trends report every year. The last one I saw talked about 68% of attorneys do not follow up with a lead after the consult. 
And I thought that was ridiculous. And then I realized I had to start calling law firms to follow up when they reached out to, you know, use us or other service providers or whatever it is. And it's just amazing to me how many people don't get their phone answered and don't call people back and don't respond to emails and don't do any of those things. And I'm, I'm dumbfounded. You know, if you're paying for a lead online and you expect to close 20 to 25% of those leads, if you're not following up, you're paying money to then have to spend more time to not follow up, to not get the leads, to waste money. And it's this vicious cycle. So you have to have a system in place. I would say sales is even more important than marketing because you can get all the leads in the world if you've got no bucket to turn them into hired clients. You've spent that much more money to waste that much more time to get nothing out of it. That's, I mean, that's such a good point. We have a whole um, episode on like the sales conversations. We'll put that in the, you know, with attorneys and we'll put that on there. But, you know, when it comes to this follow-up, a lot of it can be automated. And this is always a delicate thing because I think you should use a CRM. I think some of it should be automated. I think some of it should not. Tell me about what you think is the essential follow-up sequence that every attorney should have. So I am a big fan of you automate as much of it as possible so that you can put in the manualness that is needed for each individual case. And so in, to directly answer your question, it's going to depend upon practice area. For the most part, 99% of lawyers are, or I shouldn't say that. Uh, yeah, let's say 90% of lawyers are going to be 99% reactionary or 99% proactive. So reactionary, criminal defense, somebody got arrested, personal injury, somebody got into an accident proactive, somebody wants an estate plan. You don't have to have it in any moment, but eventually they're gonna to come to it. Uh, putting together real estate deals when there's no, you know, no deadline. And so from those things, you're gonna have different follow-up sequences. You know, If you are working with PI and criminal defense firms, you better get that stuff multiple times per day for that you know, seven to 10 day window or they're done. From an estate planning client, you know, they may take two years to decide to get the estate plan. They may take five years to decide to get divorced. They may want to go to counseling first. So having that you know, same follow-up, but over 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, might be the right thing for your ideal client and for your practice area. So the timeline of it is tough. Um, and then the specifics obviously then become different for every firm. You know, Why should they hire you? Why do they need a lawyer, period? Why are you going to do it better than somebody else? When's the right time to hire an attorney? Why do they have to bring you in now? All those things that really you're just gonna be those consistent questions you get from potential clients over and over again becomes the information you give them proactively in that email drip sequence. And now you've standardized that sales process to make it easier to see what marketing is doing well for you, to do a better consultation, to do a more consistent consultation, to then be able to make the right tweaks to make sure that you are as successful as possible. Love it. And it, I mean, and it's so, so crucial. I think, you know, why do you think attorneys, I mean, like push back on this? Because I hear this, I tell them, I, we don't do this. And you, you do this at Legalese Marketing. You help them set this up. Um, we, we generally just don't do that. We create the videos. We're like, here, go do this. But even when we've done it in the past, um, I get pushback, right? I get pushback. And, and why do you think that that happens in professionals with professionals? So look, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the me. Like literally, I did not have this in place for years. Why? I didn't know to do it. I didn't have the money to do it. I didn't have the time to do it. But if I can look back on, let's say you're signing 10 cases a month, and let's say you can increase your close rate by 10% with this, and let's say your average case is worth 
Well, 10 cases a month plus a 10% is one more is 2,500. 2,500 times 12 months is $30,000. So you think of like, I was throwing that out the window every year by not having this. And so what ends up happening instead, because you don't put in the effort to have this, if you're slow that month, you call everybody back. When you're busy, you don't take the time to do it. And then you have these humongous ebbs and flows where you're signing up five cases one month and zero the next month, and then three cases, and then seven, and then none. And then you have no idea if your marketing makes sense because you're running the same Google ads to a totally different follow-up sequence that you don't even know if the ads make any sense anymore to the audience because if you call everybody back 100 times, you close people, and if you don't, you don't. And so it's just this crazy concept of like not even the scientific method, but just like total chaos and anarchy that you're hoping to run a business successfully out of, and it's never going to work. <laughs> and so when you go work with someone, what you know, what's once you figure out the niche, is, is the next thing you do putting in those sales funnels for a lawyer? For the most part, yeah, because we're going to, I want to work backwards. You know, you are paying me to, to get you leads. You're paying for leads. If you can't turn those leads into hired clients, those leads have no value. And by having this in place, you know, let's say you run three different Google ads with the same follow-up sequence, with the same consultation setup, the whole thing. Well, ad A gets you 50 consults, but only six clients. Ad B gets you 10 consults, but all of them hire. Ad C gets you, you know, 20 clients and eight of them hire. Then you can really figure out which ad is the most valuable to you. Do you like the heavy numbers? Do you like the better close rate? Do you like the mix? And you can really run with that in a such a better, more cost-efficient manner. Love it, love it, and it and it's it sounds simple, and because it, it it's simple but not easy, correct? Yeah, and and while while what you said before, marketing is not set it and forget it, but tracking can be. You know, once you have that CRM in place, once landing page A goes to contact form A goes into you know your CRM, it's set up. And once you get Google, Google Analytics set up, it's set up. And there's all this data that you can collect that you can make decisions off of that you don't have to constantly be reinventing the wheel. Whereas if you don't have any of that, then you genuinely have no idea what's effective and what's not. Yeah. And I mean, you have no transparency at all. And I hear this all the time, you know, like uh, the leads suck, the leads suck. I'm like, do they really? It, it's like, do you know what you know what you did? And there's no consistency, no consistency in the conversation, no consistency in how you're selling them. And so, um, you know, that that really happens quite a bit, um, you know, and how else are, are you using the CRM to improve a, a lawyer? And the CRM, for everyone knows, is a, a client or customer relationship manager. Um, how are you using it in other ways to improve law firms? So, look, lawyers, I hate to break it to you. You think that you're a unique unicorn. I used to think I was. Ultimately, we are 95 percent the same. You know, you have leads, you do a consult or strategy session, whatever you want to call it. Maybe you do a second one, they hire, and now they're onboarded and they're going through some sort of legal process. So think about what, is, what does the now new client need to know? What is the onboarding like? How do we get them from signing that retainer to being a good client for the case? For estate planning attorneys, there's probably some gigantic contact form that you need with all the kids information and the properties and the bank account numbers and everything like that. You know, from personal injury cases, you need your client to be treating. You need them to go to the right doctors. You need to get imaging. You need to have those things happen. For criminal defense, 
you need to tell your client to shut up and don't talk to the police if the police you know swing by and interview them after the case happened there's going to be these things that happen every time so you can continue that in your crm and then once the case closes or as the case is getting to the end you can ask for a review you can put them through a process of what they need to know now you know if they got a giant settlement maybe you connect them with a financial advisor if they now can get back to work, maybe you connect them with a headhunter to find them a new job, you know, something along those lines. And then you stay in touch with them so hopefully they become repeat clients or at least you know, send you referrals or think of you when other people get in trouble. And all of that can be run through your CRM over and over and over and over again until you are so stupid successful that you sell your firm and then hang out on a beach and relax. <laughs> Laptop lifestyle. <laughs> or Forget no laptop. The laptop. Yeah, Just, yeah, be totally done. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's fantastic. But it, I mean, it, it can happen if you have that automation in place. And you know, I know we're talking about law firms, but this really works for almost every business. If you have yes. that automation in place, you have the systems, you have the SOPs, you build something you can sell. Um, and I've seen this across the board in every type of business where this isn't there, and they wonder why they can't ever take vacation, right? <laughs> well, and here's here's the thing for me because I know the pushback. The pushback is, well, but you know, my clients want to be treated differently. Yes, bingo. But if you're taking thirty minutes to create a new new contract every time from scratch, and if you're taking twenty minutes every time to to use your email template to craft it towards them to do this, you're losing fifty minutes an hour per client. As opposed to if you automate this, now you have an hour per client to do whatever you want that is truly unique and genuine to them. If they want a second consult, you've got the time to do it. If they want to swing by the office and make sure you know, you're a real office, you've got the time to do it. If they want you to you know, go out above and beyond and do something for them beforehand, you can make the decision on doing it because you have the time because you're not stuck sending the same 10 emails manually over and over and over again. Such, such a good point. Um... And, you know, from a tactic standpoint, you know, once they get past the, that, they've got the CRM set up, um, now is the point, right, where you get leads. Because I think everyone starts with, let me just get as many leads as possible, isn't it? They just go to pay-per-click and, and dump a bunch of money in there. Um, is it, where, where do you find right now the best lead sources, let's say, for, for criminal defense? Great question. Um, you know, it depends upon the area. So there are certain areas where I have found where literally there's nobody doing pay-per-click ads for criminal defense in that area, for family law in that area. And oh my God, you will get these amazing leads for, you know, 10, 20 bucks a click. You've got other areas where, yeah, you've got the five or six big players and now you're paying 100, 150 a click. So it's very different from area to area and it's very different from ideal client to ideal client. You know, if you're the churn and burn criminal defense traffic attorney, there's some great opportunities on Facebook and social media ads, as well as on Google. If you're the go-to white collar criminal attorney, then there's some awesome opportunities on LinkedIn to really build relationships and to put together, you know, a podcast like this. Imagine an attorney putting together what you're doing and then getting a bunch of these great referral sources on. So if they're doing white collar crime, interviewing all these accountants and financial advisors and whatever it is, who then might have clients who get you know in trouble with the IRS or whatnot, and so it's just it's crazy to see how, again, simple but not easy it can be when you really have that ideal client avatar in mind. Yeah, it's it's so true. You know, we I talk to clients about it. You have to know, you have to know that person inside and out, right? And and if you try and be a quote unquote door attorney, 
That's not going to happen. <laughs> and I think, you know, and we're in the land of Morgan and Morgan, and you're battling against Morgan and Morgan, but you're not, right? Bingo. Yeah, and, and look, there are, I refer cases to them, even though we do a lot of the same stuff. There are certain niche issues where they do a great job, so I have nothing bad to say about them, but the person that wants the you know, biggest law firm in the country and the person that wants to be featured on a billboard and the person that wants that is not going to be our client, and that's no fault on them. You know, I, I truly wish them the best and hope they get a crap ton of money and have a great experience. But for the ones that want that more individualized attention and want the same attorney the whole way through and want to really know who's working on their case, then we offer that. Yep, exactly. And that way also, because that's another thing I see is like people see the biggest, you know, their biggest competition. They see a Morgan and Morgan. They see that person there and they just start copying them. And that's just throwing money out the window because you're not going to battle. You're not going to beat them on, on their budget, are you? No, I can't even I can't even imagine what their budget is on advertising for everywhere that they are. Yeah. No, I mean they have more people answering phones than most law firm big law firms have attorneys. <laughs> well, and and the beauty of it, so, you know, to go into that sponsoring of events, when you've got such a saturation of the market like they have, sponsoring any event is potentially helpful because They've already heard of you. And now they're like, oh my God, Morgan & Morgan is sponsoring our you know, 5K or our community bake sale. For you, that's not gonna work the same way because they haven't heard of you. You need to actually be there. You need to actually commit to sponsoring that local sports team over and over again so that you have that brand awareness inside that smaller community. And so it ends up being like a totally different marketing plan for a smaller firm than it is some giant firm that's already got all these things in place. Great, great advice. Um, awesome. Well, this, I mean, this has been fantastic. You obviously help uh, with uh, law firms. And, and tell us a little about, you know, LegalEase's ideal clients. Who are your perfect clients? Sure. So we get, uh, we have two different ideal clients. One is the very much true solo who wants us to automate literally everything possible for them so they have the maximum amount of time. So we have estate planning firms where they will have the client fill out a contact form and out will come you know, the 15 different documents that they need for an estate plan rather than them having to do that from scratch every time. Um, alternatively, from the more traditional marketing plan sense, usually we're working with firms of about three attorneys or more, you know, 750 a year per attorney, something along those lines, because that gives us the most flexibility where on a decent sized plan, we can run four or five different campaigns on a couple different platforms to really hit those clients in the right manner. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, they can go to uh, Legalese Marketing, right? It's LegalEaseMarketing.com. Yep. Legalese Marketing, E-A-S-E. It is one giant dad joke, not E-S-E, <laughs> although that will redirect to us. And then, uh, or find me on LinkedIn. There's two Jordan Ostroffs. The other one's a uh, VP of sales in Boston. I'm the one with the beard who's a lawyer. So let's chat. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a link to your uh, LinkedIn in the show notes. Um, yeah, Jordan, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and giving great advice, especially on follow-up. It's been fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for taking Jordan and I on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? 
Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook.